Somebody shout his name, Jesus, one time. Amen. He is the reason that we are here. I'm going to invite you to go to Luke chapter 17 with me, and I'm going to read um, Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 27. And as you're finding that, I just want to make one quick, uh, I just want to commend you. You are an incredible church. And I just want to tell you, Quest Church, how thrilled we are that you have been this committed and you remain in covenant with your house. And so we celebrate you today. Amen? Luke 17, verse 20. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, and then we'll march forward. One day the Pharisees asked Jesus, when will the kingdom of God come? Jesus replied, listen carefully what Jesus said, the kingdom of God can't be detected by visible signs. The kingdom of God cannot be detected by visible signs. You won't be able to say, here it is, or it's over there. For the kingdom of God is already... That's powerful. The kingdom of God is already among you. I like that. Then he said to his disciples. Now notice who asked the question. Who asked the question? The Pharisees did. Now who's he going to talk to? His disciples. I love Jesus. The Pharisees asked the question. Then he said to his disciples. The time is coming when you will long to see the day when the Son of Man returns. But you won't see it. People will tell you, look, there is the Son of Man. Or here he is. But don't go out and follow them. For as the lightning flashes, what was doing that last night, wasn't it? And lights up the sky from one end to the other, so will it be on the day when the Son of Man comes. But first, the Son of Man must suffer terribly and be rejected by this generation. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days, the people enjoyed banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Can we pray together? Father, thank you now for the reading of your word. And we ask you that for the next few moments of time, that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Now, Lord, that's important to us because what we understand, you said, cannot be taken from us. So I'm asking you to take us just one step beyond knowledge today and take us into understanding. Understanding, your word says, establishes us. So we need understanding today. 
And Father, I praise you for every person that will hear this message. And as they listen and hear today, there will be yokes that will be broken. There will be an entrance into light and an exit out of darkness. Lives will be changed and prayerfully, souls will be saved. Prayerfully, people will come to you, Jesus, because we preach today. That is our objective. That's our motivation. And for those in the house of God that are out of position, we pray this word will challenge them to get back into proper positioning. Those that are backslid and are away from you, Father, we pray you'll call them home. Even as the prodigal came to his senses and went to the Father's house, we pray people come to their senses today and come to the Father's house in Jesus' name. One more time, would you mind just giving Jesus one big shout of praise before we sit down? Come on, y'all. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Look at someone and tell them it's on in the building, and then you may be seated. God bless you today. Let me just begin this by saying two things about Noah, and we're going to be on this guy for a few weeks because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah. First of all, you must understand that this guy preached when no one listened. Okay? He preached when no one listened. In other words, he did not allow the fact that they were not listening to stop him from preaching. So he kept preaching regardless of response. Secondly, Noah built when no one obeyed. Noah built when no one obeyed. He kept building when no one was obeying. That's strong. The condition of Noah's day. Let's start right there. You have to go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 11 to begin that dialogue. Verse 11 says, the earth also was corrupt before God. When? In Noah's day. And the earth was filled with violence. When? Say it with me. In Noah's day. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. One word mentioned three times. What is the word? Corrupt. The earth was filled with violence. Now let's find out what that means. Violence means here in this rendering cruel injustice. Violence, cruel injustice. Violence here in the Hebrew means to be ethically wrong. Violence here to be means to be morally depraved. Violence filled the earth, and the earth was corrupt. 
The rendering would be on this wise. It was ruined because of decay. That's how God saw it. God saw the earth as ruined because of what? Decay. I've learned something. Corruption does not happen overnight. I'll say that one more time. Corruption does not happen overnight. Corruption does not happen in a moment of time. Corruption happens over a span of time. In other words, it takes some time for something to be corrupted. Interesting. Corruption means changed from sound to putrid. Putrid. From sound to putrid. Sounds gross, right? It is. If you shoot a deer and you leave him there for two weeks, it'll look different than it did when you first shot him. It means decomposition, corruption. Let's take it a little bit deeper. And when we're doing this, we're doing a proper exegesis of a word study. Okay? So let's go deeper into the root. Here's what it means. Infected by errors. So there was an error that was not corrected. So the error began to affect the condition of the situation because it was not what? Corrected. Corruption. To pervert something by altering it. Corruption. Perversion by alteration. You changed its authenticity. Let me take it a little bit further. You compromised its original intent. It's corrupted. Corruption is a very, very dangerous thing. For example, when you buy fruit and you set it on the island in your house, and you just watch it and not eat it. It begins to corrupt, listen to me carefully, on its own. Because it was not maintained, it was not consumed, or it was not managed. Anything that is not managed properly bends toward corruption when left by itself. That's why you would say God is such a good God. Because he is always nurturing us. He's always changing us. He's always watching us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, gives us this discourse about communication in company. 
relationships. Verse 33 says, do not be so deceived and misled. Evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt and deprave good manners, morals, and character. Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionships, corrupt good manners and good character. Awake from your drunken stupor and return to sober sense. Return to your right mind. He's not talking to sinners. He's talking to saved. This is a church he's writing to. Return to your right mind and sin no more. For some of you have not the knowledge of God. You are utterly and willfully and disgracefully ignorant and continue to be so, lacking the sense of God's presence and all true knowledge of God. He says this, I say this to shame you. Now this is an apostle talking to a church. In essence, he says, who have you been hanging out with and what have y'all been talking about? Because it seems to be you have been misled and deceived and it's happened through communication, association, communion. If you hang out with the wrong people long enough, it's going to start affecting the way you see things. He's so on this deal about corruption that when he writes the same church, the second letter, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, watch what he says to him. Now I fear, lest by any means as the serpent deceived or beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your minds have been corrupted from the simplicity that is found in Christ. Your minds have been what? Corrupted. From what? The simplicity, where is it found? In Christ. It doesn't get any deeper than this. Jesus was born of a virgin. He died on a cross. He was buried in a grave. On the third day, he rose again, and he ever lives to make intercession for you. That does not need to be added to. You're not smarter than that. You're not wiser than that. That's all it is. It's that simple. If you receive him as your Lord and Savior, you have eternal life. For, here's how simple it is. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him 
should what? Should not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. Just look at someone and say those words. It's that simple. But somehow we want to add to and take away, make addendums and subtractions. And as we do, we begin to corrupt what is ultimately and originally so very pure. So I started thinking about what Jesus said. He said, it's going to be like the days of Noah. So I start looking at the corruption. Are you with me? Did you hear that word? The corruption that had set in in the days of Noah. I'm going to give you a few because there are many. But these are the ones that stood out to me. Number one, there was a rapid increase of the world's population. All of a sudden, the world started multiplying in population at a rate that it's never done in history. That's where we are today. Number two, it's an un, there was an unprecedented accumulation of knowledge. Does that sound familiar? Knowledge was coming faster in the days of Noah. Number three, there was a rapid acceleration of vice and lawlessness. There was a fight against law. Number four, and we'll go, we've got two or three weeks to deal with this, so we'll open these up to you. This is all just introduction today. Is that all right with you? Number four, there was an unusual fascination with demons. As a matter of fact, it was referred to as demonism. A lot of demonic activity, more than usual demonic activity. Just teaching a little bit today. Number five, there was a disregard for the laws of marriage. Suddenly, the institution of marriage was no longer sacred. Number six, there was a rejection not of preaching, but the preaching of righteousness. Talking to building Pastor Rick. There was a rejection of not just preaching, but a rejection to the preaching of righteousness. Number seven, do you guys know what the philosophy of deism is? Well, I'll tell you, and it's pretty much characterized today. Deism says we believe that God created the world, but after that, he has nothing to do with it, and he has no control over it. Sound familiar? Yeah, these eight characteristics stood out to me because when I read them, it sounded exactly like today. Number eight, the land was filled with violence. When you combine all eight of those characteristics, here's what pops out. Chaos. Say that word. Chaos. Because I was thinking about how chaotic our nation is today. 
I wrap my mind around the thought of chaos. Of course, we all know that the world began in chaos, right? We know that. It's somehow all beginnings that are divine are not birthed with order. They're, born, they're birthed with chaos. God thought it better to, to bring good out of evil than not to permit evil to exist. Talk in this building, Pastor. That is Felix Kupa. A phrase from St. Augustine. God thought it better to bring good out of evil than not to allow evil to exist. God thought it better to start with chaos than to start with order. Why would God do that? To show us that he is God. Ooh, I love him like that, do you? So I wrote this down this morning. Chaos is always at the end of what is not working anymore. Chaos always shows up at the end of what is no longer working. And chaos is the birthing place of change. Say that again. Chaos is the birthing place of change. You, Some of you women in here have had children. When you're in there giving birth, it's not really all orderly, is it? I bet your mind, I mean, I've never had a child. But I bet your mind feels a little bit disoriented. All the ladies are being very quiet. I think y'all just pop them out, don't you? And it's all beautiful. No, I don't think so. I think you are screaming, get out of my face. Lamaze didn't work. And you're looking at your husband saying, what have we done? I believe the chaos we are, we are seeing in the earth right now is a sign that the church is in the birthing position. I'm going to show it to you. Matthew 24, verse 4. Jesus answered, Watch out that you are not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. Let me fix that verse for some of you. Some of you read that verse like Jesus is saying, people are going to show up saying, I am Jesus. That's not what he's saying. He's saying many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah. But they will deceive many. I don't know about y'all, but if somebody showed up in here today saying, I'm Jesus. Let some guy step in his back door right now with a white robe and a long beard screaming, I'm Jesus. I'm not going to be deceived by that guy. I'm going to tell Richard and Kenny, can y'all get that guy right back there? We're not going to be deceived by that. 
Everybody thought Sun Sun Ying Moon. Y'all remember him, the moon, the moony? Some of y'all remember? Well, everybody thought, you know, he was saying he was Jesus. I'm, if, you, if you're a believer and you're deceived by something like that, I, I really pray for you. You wouldn't be deceived by that. You, be, you, you would get deceived by somebody that says he is Jesus. Jesus is really Jesus. And they start selling you a doctrine that is not according to the word of the Lord and they're living a lifestyle that is not Bible-based. He says you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see to it that you're not alarmed. Wait a minute now. That's the opposite of what we're doing right now. Everyone is alarmed. Such, listen to your Christ, listen to your Christ. Such things must happen. But the end is still not come. But some of your theology is like, this is you're like this, but your theology inside of you is going. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation. Do I need to explain that? That's ethnic groups, ethnicities against ethnicities. And kingdoms, countries, against kingdoms. There will be famines. Is that happening? Well, it always has, y'all. This is, I'm going to fix you today now. And earthquakes in various places. Every time there's a big earthquake, that doesn't mean for you to start looking up in the sky for the big, long, silver trumpet. Some of you have been spending your whole life, every time there's a riot, every time there's an earthquake, to run outside to see if the sky is splitting. Some of y'all are looking at me and going, yeah, that's right. And your expectation fails in frustration. And you go back to fighting the futile battle of trying to stay saved. Oh, I'm all on your address right now. Because many of you live your life for Jesus trying to stay saved. If it was that easy for you not to become a son of God. I'm here, I'm here to tell you this whole building is going to a fiery, fiery furnace. <laughs> Getting quiet in the building. Verse 8. All these are the beginning of what? Uh-oh. Birth pains. Chaos is what? The birthing place of new beginnings. I think it's just going, whew. He just listed, and if you read Matthew, Matthew 24, it's all chaotic. And he said, all of this must happen. Why are you acting so 
blown away. And what is really, really happening? Something is being what? Birthed. Romans 8, 19 says this, For even the whole creation, all of nature, waits eagerly for the children of God to be what? Revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration and futility, not willingly, because of some intentional fault on its part, but by the will of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will also be freed from its bondage to what? Corruption. And gain entrance into the glorious freedom of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been moaning together as in the pains of what? Childbirth. Until now. Some of you are looking for the end and you don't realize we've stepped into the beginning. I just read it to you. All of this stuff is not the sign of the end. It's the sign of the beginning. I'm not done with you. So there's the condition that we're dealing with. Can we graduate our thinking today? I'm sorry I'm not sweating and screaming and running. I will probably momentarily. But right now I just wanted to talk to you. Everyone say the case for the kingdom. Now, I want to help you with something. Jesus was a kingdom man. The book of Acts tells us in Acts chapter 1 that he spent his last days discoursing with his disciples things pertaining to what? The kingdom. Luke chapter 17 verse 20. And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the what? Kingdom should come. He answered them and said, the kingdom of God comes not with observation. Now, all of you folks that are watching today online, you know, I know that last week were like 2,600 of you. Go ahead and put in your comments right now the word kingdom. Kingdom. Now, he said, here's how the kingdom of God does not come. It does not come by observation. It does not come because you're looking for it. It does not come because you are looking at it. It does not come with observation. The kingdom would not come with pomp like a kingdom would normally come. It would not be discerned by the eyes of sagacious people who were expecting him in a way, listen, they were expecting him in a way agreeable to their own feelings. Some of you think Jesus is supposed to respond about all this chaos according to your feeling. Well, it's got me emotional, Pastor Rick. I think Jesus needs to come back. Oh, he feels for you. But he didn't ask you, how do you feel about me coming back? 
And this is where we get frustrated because we think God is on the calendar of our feelings. We think because a bunch of Christian people are mad right now that God's mad. We think that if we are believers are frustrated, surely God is frustrated too. Why? Because we're frustrated. You call it end, he calls it beginning. You call it chaos, he calls it cosmos. You call it I'm mad, he calls it I'm glad. Here's what we're all going to learn as believers. You have never been sovereign, and guess what? You never will. You will never be in control of God's calendar. It does not come with observation. It does not come by you watching everything so closely. It does not come with observation. It does not come with you expecting everything or inspecting everything, I should say. It does not come because you suddenly are the inspector. It does not come with ocular evidence. Woo. It does not come, listen to me, insidiously. What does that mean? Developing so gradually as to be well established before becoming apparent, having a gradual effect. It doesn't come like you think. It does not come by you acting in strict regard for what is considered proper or right. Some of you think because of all you're seeing right now, suddenly you're not watching as much TV. You got off Facebook. You stopped cussing. You stopped listening to rock and roll. And you stopped drinking that wine on Friday night. Now he's coming back. I feel he's coming back. So let me hurry up and baby, don't pull out that Merlot this Friday. Let's stop cussing on Thursday. Slow down on your soap operas. And you think that is going to speed him up. Hmm. It does not come by you being exact. The kingdom of God does not come by you being exact. Wow. So if it does not come by observation, what does it come by? What is the opposite of observation? Is participation. If some of you would take half of your energy that you put in spending time trying to figure out every political stance, what's happening in society, giving your opinion about everything that's going on every day, all day, and you would just start participating in the things of God, you would find a lot more peace and a lot less frustration. You would find a reason to love people and not leave people. It comes by what? Participation. You must be more than interested. You must be invested in the kingdom of God. You must be invested. And if you are, it's expected that you would be more involved. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? Come out of the stands of spectatorship 
and observation and get on the field of participation. Okay? Participation means you are actively involved in advancing the kingdom of God in your generation. You are actively involved in preaching the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ in a season full of bad news, full of chaos, full of corruption, full of destruction, and full of violence. You are not involved in that communication, but you are involved in the communication of a great Savior who died for you. He gave his life for you that you could live forever. When is the last time you pulled a scripture out of the Bible and put it on your Facebook? Praise the Lord. I knew you'd love me after this. Don't get too excited now, guys. I see y'all moving around and stuff. I know that they give me three minutes on the calendar, but I'm going to take a little bit more time. There are two very important things you need to consider about Noah's day. Are you ready? Number one, in Noah's day, the dominion mandate was renewed. I'm going to talk to you about that as the weeks go on. In Noah's day... The dominion mandate was renewed. When he came out of the ark, God told him the same thing that he told Adam in the garden. Be fruitful, multiply, and have dominion. Number two, the second thing is very important about Noah's day. In Noah's day, this is going to mess with you a little bit. You'll get it. It was not the righteous that was removed. It was the wicked that was removed. Hmm. Maybe I need to say it again. I don't think you heard that there. In Noah's day, the righteous was not removed. It was the wicked that was removed. The question comes in Matthew 24, 3, what will be the sign of the end of the age? Some of you read Matthew 24 like it's the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. It's the end of an age. It's the end of a period of time. At the end of chaos is change. Boy, I'm losing you now. I know I'm doing good when I got Asher with folded arms leaning over to the side, the lawyer student. I love you, Asher. That's one of the smartest guys I've ever met. Now watch this. The Greek word is A-I-O-N. The only version that says it's the end of the world is the King James Version. You know that one you said Jesus read? The one John the Baptist used. If it's good enough for John the Baptist, it's good enough for me. I won't go there. Well, I did. The word is A-I-O-N, aeon, which is not world, it's age. It's not the end of time. It's the end of a duration of time. It's the end of an era. 
when you see all of this stuff happening, there is an era that is ending. I'm going to just throw this out there. Be careful of your mindset of escapism. When I was in prayer this morning, I heard these words. Many people choose to excuse the church's responsibility with the church's rapture. How many times have you thought, we're out of here? And guess what? We're still here. So what we do is we always look for the exit. We always look for the escape route. He's coming back now. We're finally out of here. And Jesus said, when I return, will I find faith? Jesus said, occupy till I come. Occupying is not looking for a way out. Too many people are looking for the rapture and they're excusing responsibility. In this mess we're in right now, it's not time for you to be quiet and pray that Jesus comes back at 11.59 tonight. Can I help you? He's not interested in pulling you out. It wasn't the righteous that left. It was the wicked. If it is as the days of Noah, then the righteous never left. They got on a boat and they stayed. Why? To renew the dominion mandate. You gonna tell me that God's gonna let us go out of here in defeat? I don't think so. When we do go out of here, when we are changed from mortality to immortality, we will be reigning. We will not be subjected to this evil of this world. Change your mind and stop looking for the escape route. Have I lost you? That's the condition of the land. Ooh, I love this. That's the case for the kingdom. Now, I'll just leave you with this by kingdom. Too many of you are church-minded and not kingdom-minded enough. You are too much about church and not enough about kingdom. Jesus talked about kingdom three times as much as he talked about church. He said the kingdom of God is like. He didn't say your church should be like. He said, the, listen, the kingdom is not part of the church. The church is part of the kingdom. That's why church people get messed up when they come to the revelation that the kingdom does not operate on a democracy. It operates through a theocracy. In other words, your vote about the way the kingdom functions does not count the king doesn't say bring all the servants in and let's take a vote church people love democracy because that means it gives you a vote about everything and I find that funny because when God got ready to 
do something to save his people in the midst of chaos, he didn't speak to a group of people. He did not speak to a board. He spoke to one man, Noah. And he didn't tell Noah, now Noah, get you a board and see if what I'm saying is right. When he got ready to build a nation, he didn't call a group. He called one man named Abram. Boy, some of y'all are looking at me funny now. When he got ready to deliver that nation into an area that would preserve them, he called Joseph. When the area that preserved them started persecuting them, he called not a group of people, he called one man named Moses. And Moses let them out. When Moses let them out, he didn't call a group of people, he called one man named Joshua to take them in. I'm sorry, but the kingdom does not operate in democracy. It's a theocracy. It is a conversation between God and a visionary. It's a conversation between God and a leader. It's a conversation between God and his man or his woman. You, not you, but the people of God have it in their mind that we are supposed to have a say. Boy, it's getting quiet. Whew, all right. So here's what God tells his man. And I'm done. Y'all put five more minutes on that clock. (laughs) Verse 14 of Genesis 6. I want you to just listen to this now. How many men did God call? What was his name? Noah. Right? He called Noah. Now watch verse 14. What is the first word of that verse? Oh, they don't have it. I'm sorry. That was supposed to be like, boom, and then you go. There it is. Thank you. First word is what? Make. Let's do this big Hebrew study, Christian, of the word make. You know what it means? Make. God tells Noah, in the midst of this mess, make. There's only one definition for the word. You know what it is? Build. You know what God told me? Do not participate in the destruction. Do not participate in the divide. In the midst of all the chaos, and Elder Leroy, I heard it three times this morning from the Holy Ghost. Emphatically, the Holy Ghost told me on my knees at the... uh, chair at my desk in my office at my house at about 4.30 something this morning. He told me just like this. Build. 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 And I say, Lord, can you elaborate? And I heard the Holy Ghost say yes. I said, please do. He said, build. 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 I said, now hold up, Lord. Can you give me some definition and some points to preach? He said, yeah. Build. Build, build. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Build one another up in encouragement. 
Build one another up. Build. Somebody ought to shout it. Build. 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 Here's what God told me. Build something redemptive in the face of the ridiculous. Build something redemptive in the face of the ridiculous. Build, build, build. And he said, build with gopher wood. Boy, if I was preaching right now, Lord have mercy. I would say it like this. This is the only time in the Bible that the word gopher is used. And it's not the gopher that digs in your yard. But it's a wood that grows out in the field. It is a tree called a gopher tree. Gopher wood is important. That's how I preach it if I was preaching. Gopher wood was used. Number one, because gopher wood is durable. It's able to withstand pressure. Gopher wood is reliable because it does not rot. It does not corrupt. Gopher wood is tough. Gopher wood will last a long time. And God told me, start finding believers in the church that act like gopher wood. Find believers in the church that are reliable. Build with people that know how to endure. Build with people that are able to withstand pressure. Find you some people that are tough. Find you some people that will last a long time. Find you some people that will stick with you through confusion and misunderstanding and miscommunication and mistake. Find people that will stay with you. I need to know if there's any gopher saints in the church that any people that know how to bend, but they will not break. The number one characteristic of gopher wood is it bends, but it will not break. Another characteristic of the gopher wood is it knows how to be planed out. In other words, the gopher wood embraces the process to become what it needs to be. It's not easily moved. When it is sanded down, it says, I'm staying right here until I'm smoothed out and I'm usable in the kingdom of God. I feel friction right now, but I ain't moving. It feels rough right now, but I'm not leaving. It feels like we're being bent right now, but I'm not breaking. It is light wood. It's not heavy. Y'all not hearing me. It's very light when you pick it up. It's not heavy. Find some people that don't carry so much heaviness that when they show up, you got to pull them. And you got to care. No, find people that will work with you, that are light to work with. They airy. They know how to move and bend and be shaped. Tell somebody, I'm that man or I'm not, I'm that person right there. Find those kind of people. Oh, Lord, have mercy. I got to finish this thing. Ooh, he said, build the ark. Stay with me for a minute. Out of gopher wood. Then he said, put rooms in it. 
The rooms were nesting places, places that you can give birth to stuff. They came in two by two, and we gotta give them room to birth stuff in the ark. Welcome to the ark this morning. We got room for you in this house, for you to birth your dreams, for you to birth your future, for you to birth and rear your children in a safe house. This is the ark. It's built of gopher wood. It's got rooms in it. I'm sorry. Then he said, pitch it within and pitch it without. The word pitch there is atonement cover. He said, cover it inside and cover it outside. Enough for us trying to pull the covers on everybody. Love covers a multitude of sin. God told Moses, make an atonement cover to go on top of the mercy seat. We need covering in our life because when we are covered and we know we covered, we are secure and you don't walk up into relationships wondering if this person gonna sell me out or they gonna leave when I need them the most. No, but I got your back, brother. I understand you are liable to make a mistake, but I'm gonna cover you anyway. Tell somebody, I got you covered. Three sons walked in on a naked Noah. Two of them came back and covered him. You better learn how to cover because until you cover others, you ain't gonna be covered yourself. The Bible says the man that shows mercy shall receive mercy. When you got covering, you are insulated. Pitch it within and pitch it without. Make the ark out of gopher wood. Put room in it Woo. and pitch it within. Pitch it within and pitch it without. In other words, let everybody see it from the outside. This ark is covered. Y'all ain't hit that devotion. I wish I had a church. Let everybody out there look at this ark and say, that ark is. Let everybody that want to talk about quests, they going to have to say one thing. That ark is. And it ought to be covered in such a way that the people inside say we are covered. Come on, shout it. We are covered. I recognize from being in here that we are what? Covered. His blood was shed to cover your sin, to cancel your sin. Somebody shouted, we are covered. We are covered. So make the ark. Make the ark out of gopher wood. Put rooms in it and pitch it inside and out. Insecure churches or frail churches or feeble churches are that way because they feel like they're not covered. Pastors walk in intimidation when they feel like their people don't have him covered. People 
walk in fear and insecurity when they feel like their pastor don't have them covered. The Spirit of the Lord covered the face of the deep. And then God said, let. You know what I believe is about to happen? What's been covering us is about to come on in here, in this building, and move among us. Somebody shout, we want a move of God's spirit. Let's stand. Did you learn anything today? I pray you did. I pray you did. As we discuss the condition of the land, the case for the kingdom, and Noah's command. The command was to build. Build with gopher wood. Put rooms and pitch it inside and out. Lift your hands, please. Welcome to a safe place. Welcome to a house. Welcome to the ark. Who? Yeah, go ahead and birth something right now. Get in your room. Go to your room right now in the spirit and start birthing something in this church. Come on, get in your nest right now and start putting something out right now. Come on, start praying in the spirit. Can I have some praying people in this altar? That are, This is the nest right here. Can I get somebody to come to the nest today? To come to the birthing place and push a little bit today? Can I get some praying people? Come on, Jamie. The Holy Ghost is here today. The anointing is here. Tried and true. Feel the Holy Ghost. Come on, pray in the Spirit. I'll be a living. I'll be a living sanctuary. For you. Sing it again, Jamie. Come on, lift those hands, everybody. Lord, prepare me. To be.
hands raised. Everybody praying right now. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Come on, y'all. Cry out. Call on him today. Come on, just for two minutes, call on him. ask you a question if you were drowning in a lake what kind of boat would you want to show up to help you would you want a boat that looked all raggedy and broke down and no you would want something right that looks secure something that looks safe can I tell you the world ain't coming to church right now because the church don't look safe to the world. They look in here and they say, y'all kill each other worse than we do. Who wants in that ark? Somebody shout, change your ways, change your way. We've got to change, y'all. If you're not right with God, every head bowed, every eye closed, and you want to give your life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand real high. And if you're watching online today, you know you're not right with God. Right there in that comment section is a place for you to let us know you want to be saved. But those of you in the building here, if you've never been born, born again, please raise your hand. I want to see you. All right. Now I'm going to ask the next question. As we begin to birth this series today as it was in the days of Noah, I'm going to ask you as the pastor to renew your commitment to the ark. Renew your commitment to this house. Be pliable. Be reliable. Will you receive that challenge? Would you receive, if you do, just raise your hand. Good, good. Father, now I speak your blessing on the benediction of this service today or all these your people. And I speak success to them and success to the kingdom of God.